Welcome to the Alpha Female Podcast with me, your host, Robin Baldwin. This show is to inspire you to embrace living like an alpha female. But what is an alpha female? An alpha female is a powerful and assertive woman. Her confidence is due to being an intelligent and intellectual problem solver. She chooses ambition and is proud of it, but strives for a happy and healthy work-life harmony. An alpha female puts herself first, sticks to her priorities, but nurtures relationships with all the people in her life. So let's get started. So after three years of recording the Alpha Female podcast, I did a thing. I created a Patreon page. So over the sabbatical from January to March, I started listening to the Sick Boy podcast. And they have the best way of telling their listeners to go support them on Patreon. And I I realized after listening to them that there's no reason why I can't ask for your support. So hosting a podcast, putting a podcast out there can be expensive. If I were to total up all the expenses for the past three years, I would probably gulp looking at the total amount because hosting the podcast on Libsyn and using a podcast editor, those costs add up. So I am kindly asking you if you would support me by pledging to become a Patreon supporter of the Alpha Female Podcast. So you head over to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash alpha female podcast. And there's different pledge areas or tiers. So you can pledge as little as $1 a month, as little as $3 a month. I've got a $5 one and a $10 one. So pledging $1 a month gets you access to our alpha female pack Facebook group. If you pledge $3 a month, you'll get access to the Alpha Female Pack, a shout out on the show, and I would love to send you a doTERRA essential oil sample of your choice. So you get to pick from my entire collection what you'd like to try, and I'll send it over to you in the mail. If you pledge over $5 or more a month, I've got some pretty cool um, incentives. So you'll have to go and check out the page. And then especially for the $10, um, just check it out and let me know if those incentives make sense to you. This is my first time doing this. So I'd love to learn from you. If you even have your own Patreon page, let me know what um, type of edits you may want to see. Um, and we'll go from there. So let's see how this works please support the show. I would very much appreciate it. I have a passion for proactive health and sharing it with others. After being diagnosed with MS or multiple sclerosis in 2014, I learned how to take care of myself differently than I had before. I used to say I learned how to take better care of myself, but then that wasn't giving myself kindness over how I was taking care of myself before. So now it's about taking care of yourself differently than you have before. At the time of my diagnosis, I tackled five areas of my life for optimizing my nutrition, supplementation, stress management, getting better quality and quantity of sleep, and reducing my exposures to toxins. I've put together a guide for ambitious alpha females who believe that taking care of your health first will be the reason that you thrive and can build the business or businesses of your dreams. So go to bit.ly forward slash health building blocks. That's bit.ly forward slash health building blocks. Blocks is plural to download the free guide now.
Okay, so before we get into the meat of this episode and an update of what has been happening for the past few months, you've gone over to Patreon, you've become a Patreon supporter, you've downloaded the five building blocks guide. But one last thing that I wanted to chat with you about um, is my autoimmune thriving retreat. So if you are local to Ottawa, I do think there's a few Ottawa ladies that listen to this podcast. Um, please check out robinbaldwin.com. There is an Ottawa events listing in the the top navigation and I've got the autoimmune thriving retreat posted there. So I'm posting my very first half day yoga retreat. So I'm fresh off of my Bali yoga teacher training. I absolutely loved it and thrived at teaching. So now I want to give back. So I am hosting a local retreat at Strathmere, which is about 30 minutes outside of Ottawa. It's so gorgeous there. I've posted about being there before on my social media. And I'm going to teach a restorative yoga class. I've partnered with a Reiki master, Joe Tucker, who's going to come in as a guest speaker and talk to us about how Reiki can help autoimmune disease or just proactive health in general. And then Strathmere is feeding us a three-course lunch that's autoimmune paleo-based. Um, so really anyone can come, but I've definitely built this retreat for people living with autoimmune disease. Okay. So your call to action is if you're in Ottawa, please check it out. I would love for you to join us. If you know someone in Ottawa, can you please share the retreat with them? I would be ever so grateful. Okay. Let's get into the show. You're listening to episode 152 of the Alpha Female Podcast. All links and show notes can be found over at robinbaldwin.com forward slash podcast. So today on the show, we have our first repeat guest. We have Colette Kent. Uh, she's a native of Ireland. She immigrated to the U.S. in her early 20s, where she worked in corporate America for over a decade. She wanted to hop off the corporate hamster wheel, so she pursued her passion for health and fitness. And then in 2014, Colette took some time out to cleanse and reset her body. She underwent a 21-day Ayurvedic cleanse program in Bali which I have just come back from in February, um, not the cleanse program, but Bali. And this is what changed her life personally and professionally. So after the cleanse, she stayed in Bali working with the Ayurvedic doctor there for a year to become trained. She also completed her studies to become an Ayurveda wellness counselor and began her online business, Elements, Healing, and Wellbeing. She also has a podcast, Elements of Ayurveda, if you want to go over there and listen. So Elements, Healing, and Wellbeing takes a natural holistic approach to healing, incorporating the body, mind, and soul using the ancient teachings of Ayurveda, which is known as the wisdom of life, to connect people with their true nature or unique mind-body type to mother nature and to each other. So I knew when I wanted to do a series on Ayurveda that I wanted to have Colette back on the show. She was really good at explaining things at a basic level, which I think is really important when it's your first kind of exposure to Ayurveda. So I brought her back on. We didn't do any of the standard questions. We just dug into Ayurveda type questions. So I hope you really enjoy this episode. So welcome back to the show, Colette. You're the very first second interview. Woo, I am very honored. Thank you so much, Robin, for having me back on. I've been getting such amazing feedback from people. I did a survey at the end of 2018 asking people what their favorite episodes were, and so many people said they are your Veda expert. And I was like, oh, really? Oh, that's great. I haven't told you yet. So there you go. We were just talking before we started recording, and I will have um, posted a solo episode before this one explaining 
kind of the the podcast coming back after hiatus in January, February, and March. And I have such a strong calling to talk more about Ayurveda after diving into the idiot's guide for Ayurveda and being in Bali in February. And you did such a good job of explaining things for beginners that I knew I had to bring you back on. Well, I am always happy to talk Ayurveda. Always. So if someone hasn't listened to um, your first episode on the Alpha Female podcast, which is episode 143, if people need to go back and listen, um, what is the easiest way to explain Ayurveda to someone? Okay. So the easiest way, the one-liner that I use, it's like the manual to life that we never received. Most of us never received. Ayurveda gives us guidelines for every aspect of our life. It's the ancient Indian healthcare system. So it dates back over 5,000 years. And it explains to us that each individual has a unique mind-body type. So there's no one size fits all. So that's why there's no diet, there's no exercise routine that's going to fit and be suitable for everybody. So it's really about understanding your unique mind and body type. And it's a holistic approach to healing the body that really teaches us that the mind, body and the soul must be in balance in order to achieve optimal health. And it emphasizes maintaining positive health to prevent any illness or dis-ease, dis-ease in physically or mentally in the body. So whereas in the West medical system, we look at the manifested state of disease when an illness or disease has become a big problem in the body. Whereas in Ayurveda, that teaches you how to stay in balance so you prevent any illness from even forming in the body or any imbalance, be it anxiety or constipation or uh irritable bowel. Ayurveda teaches us how to recognize the really early symptoms of imbalance and how to bring yourself back into balance holistically uh, to prevent any of this manifestation of illness. Mm, Yeah, I love that. And that was very apparent when I re-listened to our first episode was talking about the proactive health. And that's been Uh, kind of my passion talking about how to take care of yourself differently than you may have been before so that disease doesn't manifest in your body and I love that that is also such a passion of yours Um, and um, I was I was sharing that I don't know if the universe was just aligning that as I was studying to be become a yoga teacher um, and understanding all of the principles of yoga outside of the physical asana practice that uh, I would become fascinated with Ayurveda from, you know, diving deeper into the health of, um, of all of the principles. And for me, when you say one size fits all like that immediately, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Because So many times when we're presented with a pain point, even whether it's conventional or um, a holistic practitioner, Mm -hmm. sometimes we're given a one-size-fits-all method. So, you know, I'll go go big with my MS, but diagnosed with MS, someone has read the WALS protocol, um, try out this meal plan. So I'm eating the walls protocol and then I'm realizing that something's not serving my body. So I adapt, I adapt to autoimmune paleo and 
um, then I'm realizing that like, I still have a bit more healing to do. So now I'm looking at things from the Ayurveda lens. I'm like, Oh, this was the missing piece where I was, I was doing a one size fits all. And now, and I think that's easiest for some people. It's like, just give me the prescription that I need to do. Um, and then as you continue to optimize your health and, um, I, it's like, okay, what do I need to seek next? So I, I wonder if that's, if that's very common is that people discover Ayurveda after they've kind of got some, you know, main, main basics of health down pat. And then they're like, okay, something's still not right. How can I Mm -hmm. dig into this more? Yeah, I mean, there's so much information out there now. We're just on information overload and there's lots of fads and trends. And what often happens is people try a certain fad or trend in, you know, maybe the latest way of eating that's kind of trendy and they find that they're still having symptoms and they're still having imbalances and they may get frustrated and they're going to their doctor and they're not getting the answers and nothing seems to be working. And then once they are exposed and introduced to Ayurveda, it because it's so logical, and that's the exact same reaction I had when I first found it. It's like, oh, so even though I thought I was doing everything healthy for my body, you know, I was working in the health and fitness industry, I was still in balance because I was eating, even the foods were healthy, I was eating the wrong things for my mind-body type or constitution. So mostly people start researching other ways, other uh, holistic ways to healing when they get really frustrated with what's out there and then have the realization that, okay, it makes sense. It's not one size fits all. I can't just take something printed off the internet and be like, okay, this is my, you know, this is going to suit me and all the other thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. It doesn't work like that. It's really has, you have to do that journey of self-discovery and understand your mind body type. And it's really empowering, which is what I love. Not only is it logical, but it empowers you to take charge of your own health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, sure. so that you can go forward going, oh, okay, I feel a little bit heartburn today. I know what that is. You know, now I know That's what I <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So you're, you're able to read your body and again, catching those really subtle signals before they, they get out of hand. Okay. So if this is someone's first exposure to Ayurveda, let's take a quick second to explain um, the mind body types or constitutions or joshas. I love that there's three words for it. <laughs> yeah. And you'll find in Sanskrit that there's often several words for one thing. It's just the way it is. So it's, and that's the thing about Ayurveda. It's not about being rigid. It's, there's a flow to it as well. So it's, it, and, and I think that comes with the same with the Sanskrit language. You know, there can be several words for the, the same thing. So yes, dosha is your constitution. It's your mind body type. Okay. Now when you explain them, can you actually add in this time? Cause we didn't talk about how they are related to the elements. So I think, this, oh, sure. yeah, this would be a great way to explain them this time. Okay. So like I mentioned before, Ayurveda dates back over 5,000 years and really the ancient rishis or sages will go into nature and, and, and view nature. And that's how they came up with this philosophy. It's a sister science of yoga. So is it from the same era. Now, Ayurveda believes that everything in the physical world is composed of the five fundamental building blocks of nature, the five elements, and they are space, air, fire, water, and earth. 
So everything in the natural world is made up of the different ratio of these elements, including our body. We are part of nature, right? So then these five elements go into forming the three doshas of vata, pitta, and kapha. So vata is made up of the space and air elements. Pitta is made up of fire and water. And then kapha is made up of water and earth. Now, the way I like to describe vata is vata is like the wind in nature, always moving. So a person with a high vata constitution, there'll be a lot of movement in the body. The vata is the energy of action, of movement and transportation. So vata is responsible for all movement in our body. Pitta in nature is like the sun's heat, really intense and fiery. And the energy, this pitta energy is about transformation, conversion and digestion. So it's a, lot, it's, it's a lot of focus on digestion of food and digestion of thoughts and, and anything that comes into our senses. And then kapha is like water. It's the energy of construction, lubrication and nourishment. You know, kapha is made up of water and earth elements. And if you think of those two together, it would be like a building block. So that's why it's, it's, it's really the foundation energy. It's, it's construction. It's nourishment. And those three doshas, avata, pitta, and kapha, combine in different ratios in each person's body. Now, our dosha, our unique mind-body type, is determined as conception. We get it from our parents. And it never changes. So we each have different ratios of vata, pitta, and kapha. Some person might be more kapha with a little pitta and then no vata. So it's, it varies from person to person. And this is what you can determine if you do. Well, you can, it's like a stepping stone if you do those dosha quizzes. But it's really if you get a private consult with an Ayurvedic expert, they can help you determine your constitution type. So we each have different ratios of vata, pitta, and kapha uh, in our constitution. Does that all make sense? And so this is our individual blueprint. And it's just like our fingerprint. It's individual to each person. Mm -hmm. Okay, so lots of questions here. Let's go um, back to it's determined at time of conception. But talk to us about how um, can your... Um, dosha or can you be in one dosha based on um, time of the year or let's say your partner is a pitta and you're you're starting to show more pitta tendencies um talk to us about that sure so our mind body type our birth constitution birth dosha does not change however throughout our lives we can go in and out of balance and they this could be affected by age, season, you know, the climate, what you're eating, stress. It, it can be affected by lots of things around you. What's going on in your life? Is there stress in your work? It, are you eating uh, foods that could aggravate your, your dosha type? Are you living in a climate that could aggravate what age, what stage of life you're in? There's many variables that can affect your mind-body type. So your constitution, your birth constitution never changes, but you can go in and out of balance. So it's about getting the education 
of what is your birth constitution and what are the signs of imbalance for your constitution type? What are your tendencies of imbalance? And this is the most important part, information. When you have a private consult with an Ayurvedic expert, they'll tell you your tendency of imbalance is, you know, you're, you tend to get constipated. You've got a dryness in the body. This is a sign that you're out of balance. And this is what you need to eat. This is what the lifestyle you need. This is the uh, routines and mindfulness practices that you need in order to bring yourself into balance. Gotcha. So, right? Does that make sense? So everything in your life affects affects your 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 current situation. Yeah. So I've done the online quizzes, which we were talking about last time. And during the yoga teacher training, we had like a five page paper quiz that we did. And we were all joking around that we should be asking our moms or our dads to fill it out. Sure. So yeah. that it's more based on what we were like when we were children versus some of the imbalances we may be experiencing now. Um, so the other question I wanted to ask was, you know, we talked about the importance of going to see a practitioner um, versus just taking a quiz. But talk to us a little bit more about what a practitioner does, what they look for, what they ask um, outside of a questionnaire that make because I think that's a really good way to show someone why it's important to go see a practitioner. Right. Like I said, the, the dosha quizzes are great. They're a stepping stone, but a practitioner will really delve a lot deeper. So for example, when I do my online consultations, they're 90 minutes long and I spend 60 minutes just asking questions. So a lot of that, it's like you said yourself, your experience, it's very hard for you to be objective with those questions sometimes. And it's very hard to decipher, wait, no, was, is this how I am right now or is this how I've been throughout my life? So a practitioner will help you uh, go through the quiz and really help get the answers from you and guide you and, you know, remind you that this answer needs to be how you've been throughout your life. And then we'll ask lots of questions about, um, about what happened in your life, what your tendencies were, what's your immunity like. Um, lots of different just questions to pull information on what what you've been throughout your life. And for me, when I'm doing a consultation, there will be wor certain words that will come up that I'll pull on. There, there's always something. There's always some intuitive hit or something that a person brings up, and I'll go down that road a little bit more. We'll look at not only how you are health-wise, but uh, physically, but also emotionally. And um, I think a practitioner who has, you know, a, a lot of experience can delve deeper into every aspect of your life and find out where are the points that need work and where are the sensitivities. And also, of course, they'll look at your current situation, see where your current imbalance is, because that's what needs to be addressed more than anything. Yes, they'll determine your birth constitution, but the priority is treating your current imbalance, which is causing the problems physically or mentally in your body. But for me, when I work with a client, there's always something that comes up that we get to the truth of the person. We get to something, they say something, a word triggers, I go down a line of questioning and it's like, ah, What's going on here? Is it that the truth of you is not coming out, which is leading to the manifestation of this, these imbalances in your body? It may not just be what you're eating. It could be that you're suppressing something or you're not giving yourself self-care or there's emotions that haven't been dealt with. So it really delves deep. It's a deep, open conversation with everything's on the table. And, uh, and you can't do that by yourself. 
you need someone to really pull that apart. Are you also looking at their skin health, um, uh, their body type too, like how they physically look? Yeah. So in, you know, sometimes I'll even have them like pre-fill out my dosha quiz so they can get the conversation started. And that's a great way. So I use the dosha quiz just to start the conversation. And then I'll ask about their appetite, their elimination, their weight, their menstrual cycle, what foods they're eating every day, where they eat, uh, their lifestyle, their skin, their sleep, their mind, their stress, what they're exercising, how they exercise, what's their routine like, what's their family life like, what's their stressors, what's their work life, what's their day-to-day schedule, what's their normal routine. Yeah, I really get to, to... Lots of questions <laughs> and their family history, of course, and and uh, how their childhood was and and, you know, what their dreams are and what's their what's their passions. And, yeah, it's it's really getting to know that person. And I feel that I can really get to the heart of things quite quickly. And like I said, I get a lot of intuition when I'm talking to a person and I can pull it apart pretty quickly. So there were we we get to what needs to be worked on. Yeah. OK, that's cool. Um, all right, maybe taking this a little bit of a different direction, but this is something fascinating that I noticed as we were kind of talking about the doshas and people were having conversations, you know, at mealtimes or whatnot, or, um, even just like, uh, they were kind of like backhanded, um, compliments. Um, but talk to us about how, the doshas are viewed and do you see because I've noticed that pittas always get a bad rap um or or like the negative sides uh I don't know if that's the right word but um imbalances in the doshas tend to get a bad rap and then tend to get um picked on or talked about more so it becomes like the main part of conversation I'm like but that's not all that is you know, like pittas or some. Okay, so pittas are uh, picked on for being like direct, fiery, getting things done. Um, and it was such a joke. Like people were like, "Oh, that's so pitta of you." And it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so talk to us about that. Right. So there's pros and cons to every constitution type. That's you know there there is there there is um, skill sets that each constitution has. And then there is tendencies that when they are imbalanced that can that can not be so positive, right? Um, and I think it's great for us all, first of all, to know, understand the different mind-body types, different doshas, because it will help you in your relationships. You'll understand that, oh, they're not doing that to annoy me. They're doing that because that's their constitution type. So you have more compassion, I feel, when we understand others. So basically for vatas, do you want me to explain the tend- the, the typical tendencies for a vata? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So vata tends to be uh, long and lean physically or small and petite. They're very lightweight. They don't gain weight very easily. You know, they may have protruding joints. Uh, their skin can tend to be dry so too can their hair tends to have thin, uh, thin, thin hairs that may be a little bit brittle, tends to have an oval face and long limbs, like long fingers and, and longer limbs as well, of course, unless they're petite. Um, they tend to have like joints that may stick out a little bit. 
And like I said earlier, they're like the wind in nature. They are always moving. If Even if they're sitting still, their leg is tapping up and down, you know, or they're clicking a pen on the table. So they're always moving. They're physically movement and also in their mind. Their mind is like a busy bee. They tend to walk a lot and talk a lot. And with that active mind, they're very creative. Like I said earlier, they're, they're made up of, it's made up of the uh, space and air elements. So they're in the mind a lot and therefore their creativity is amazing. And they may be artists or dancers or actors or painters, very, very creative people. And they have a tendency, however, if they're out of balance is to go too much in the mind. And then there's too much movement in the mind, which leads to anxiety, overthinking, overanalyzing. Uh, it can lead to uh, mind spinning and this can cause problems getting to sleep where the mind is going to can't shut down the mind. You often hear of many creative types having problems with uh, substance abuse for this reason because they're trying to get uh, maybe there's a big imbalance and they're trying to get away from this constant mind spinning, this anxiety, um, this worry. And it can go, you know, even deeper if it's not dealt with at an early stage, if it's not dealt with where it's, if it's anxiety, you can go into panic attacks and, and bipolar disorder, things like that. Uh, so you can see that when that vata creativity spins out of balance due to a poor routine and poor diet, uh, maybe traveling a lot, that because any excess movement will aggravate vata that that then can go down a road where it's not so positive. Oh, I was just going to say, you'll uh, be impressed. There's such a joke on this podcast that we don't talk about balance, but I have never used the words balance more in my life when looking at Ayurveda because of balance and balance. I'm like, harmony, de-harmony. Oh, I know. I remember that when we last spoke. I remember that was mentioned. Yeah, yeah but it's such a part of uh, uh, like the Ayurveda language that I'm like, okay, I'll just I'll just embrace balance. It's just a way of of explaining it. Yeah, yeah. So one of my uh, really good friends is Avata, and she talks all the time about when she's out of balance that she needs to feel grounded because she just feels like she like so she like wraps herself in a blanket because otherwise she feels like she's all over the place. Um, so yeah, you'll see kids doing that all the time. They'll take heavy blankets or kids will even say, you know, without knowing they need, they know they need to ground themselves. They'll ask somebody to lie on them or sit on them. And that's literally them wanting to ground their energy. Their, their body is, is seeking heaviness. And a lot of Vata people, I'm just actually about to release a podcast or episode on sleep, but a lot of Vata people love to make a cocoon, wrap themselves up tight in the blankets and put an eye mask on and put earplugs in. And that's all great because it's cutting down off the sensitive senses of sight and, uh, and, and the ears so that they can get some sleep. But uh, yeah, so anything grounding, you know, grounding foods, grounding uh, mindfulness techniques like slow yoga, meditation, really important. Now, the thing with vata is a high vata constitution or person with a vata imbalance does not like routine, but they like to be spontaneous. They, they don't like to commit to things in advance. They, they like to be very spontaneous and to see how they feel. However, routine is the one thing that will really keep them grounded. So like daily self-care practice is what we call in Ayurveda, dinacharya, 
really important to ground that Vata energy so that you can access that creativity, access that the beautiful um, gifts that come with a Vata constitution without it going into anxiety or constipation. There can be a lot of dryness in the body or lack of sleep, things like that. Yeah, for sure. Okay, next, Pitta. So Pitta, they tend to be physically medium build, good muscle tone. Uh, They tend to have fairer skin, fairer, maybe have a lot of moles or freckles. Um, They tend to have sharp features like a sharp pointy nose, sharp chin, and sharp eyes, like eyes that could just penetrate to you. You know, these are the type of people that give you that look and you're just like, okay, I'm going to shut up now. They just just looked at me. Um, They tend to, everything, you know, it's a medium physically, like their fingers are medium, their joints are medium, they're not protruding, they don't have too much flesh on the body. They're very much focused, disciplined people. They're very uh, competitive. They can be good speakers. They tend to be like CEOs, managers, politicians. They speak to the point. They don't like to beat around the bush. And this is where they're known for their sharp tongue because they'll say things as it is. And some people might find that a little bit too sharp and too harsh, but they're, they, they don't do like this small talk or the flowery, you know, they're, they're in there getting to the point. Let's deal with this. Let's meet it head on. You know, they're the types of people who will have a list of things, bullet points they want to meet. Uh, they love their spreadsheets. And this is obviously in generalization, right? But um, they're very focused and, like I said, very competitive. They're, they'll be the types to do the ultramarathons and, and the triathlons and, you know, really pushing themselves. However, if they push themselves too intensely in work, if they're overworking, over-exercising, just all around being too intense, this will drive them out of balance. And then they become overheated. Remember, they're, the, they're the, like the sun's heat in nature. They come become overheated. So that can lead to a lot of excess heat in the body, a lot of skin issues. There could be psoriasis or rashes, anything that looks irritable and angry on the skin. They also have could have acid reflux or heartburn loose stool, diarrhea, that's all the way of the body trying to get rid of excess heat. Um, And then they'll have lots of irritability. They can, you know, be, like I said, the sharp tongue, but they can be very um, irritable, frustrated, overheated, angry. Um, But you see, they do have their positives. They're very, they can be very good speakers, very good managers, very good very driven and goal-oriented. But again, it's just making sure, just like Vata, it doesn't get too out of balance um, so that they don't experience migraines or like sharp pains in the body. Yeah, so what's really fascinating about the doshas is also layering on some of the work that I've done in my corporate life through the communication personalities. So when I was, um, and we've actually just done this with one of our clients at my full-time job is, the DISC personality test. And I've talked about it on the podcast before, how I'm a a D and a C, a direct and a conscientious personality. And that matches up with Pitta so well. And so I, I see my Pitta in that, that I'm very direct. I've always been known to be very sharp and blunt at times if my Pitta is out of balance in the world. Um, But going back to the friend that's a Vata, Um, she partners with me on things that she knows I'll get done because I'm so organized and driven. And so like Vatas love to partner with Pittas 
yes. in a work relationship because they're like, Absolutely. I know they're going to keep me on track. So it's, that's where you see like the, the pot, the pros and cons. Like I know a pitta is going to be so organized and task focused and get it done. But like, if they're out of balance, they may be a little mean to me because they're, yeah. Yes. And that's it. And just know that, you know, the pitta digestion is very strong. So just give them some snacks and make sure they don't get hangry because that's when they get irritable. So make sure you have snacks on hand if you're working with them. But talking about the, yes, understanding the different dosha types, like I said earlier, really helps you have compassion and know especially in a work environment, know how that person ticks. Like for the Vata, use their creativity in a work environment. They should be in jobs like sales and marketing. They are not the person to do spreadsheets or to handle client relationships because they might be too scattered for that. But they are the creative pulse. So use that Vata creativity rather than sticking them in a job that is just going to like douse all that creative energy they need to be the creative force then they hand over those creative ideas to a pitta person who's going to make the spreadsheets and do the plan and see the whole outline and carry it through and then the kapha person comes in because the kapha person is it will stay with a job for a long time and these are the people who are great for customer relationships and accounting they don't like change so the cough, the pitta person then hands over the outline and the spreadsheet and, and, and the, you know, the client files to the cough person who's the, has that caring nature who will handle the, you know, it could be a human resources person or will handle the client relationships for you because they're committed. They don't like change. They'll stay in the job and they're very good with people. Okay. Okay. So let's move on to Kafa. That was a really good, that was a really good segue into Kafa. <laughs> yeah. So then Kafa, physically, they tend to have a bigger, rounder figure, well-built. They tend to gain weight easily. And unfortunately, they tend to gain in pounds and lose in ounces. So they may have a, a larger frame. And then their hair is usually really thick round face, a rounder features of the eyes and stuff. Um, and they're just very happy-go-lucky. They're made up of the elements of earth and water. Remember, they're like those clay bricks. They're just solid, solid in body and solid in nature. These are the people who are just want everyone to be happy. Their natural cares, their tendency in jobs would be like nurses uh, in, the, in the caring profession, minding children. They're just mother earth figures. And they're very grounded. Their body tends to be a little bit more sluggish and slow. So they have a slower digestion. They're also maybe um, take them a little longer to learn things. And they would have to study a little harder. But once they know something, they will never forget. They will really retain information very well. They have a tendency if the coffee is going out of balance, if they have a sedentary job, then they have a tendency towards lack of motivation and laziness. And they may suffer from being overweight because of this. Maybe if they're eating a lot of comfort foods, because sometimes they tend to bury their emotions, they don't tend to talk them out. And so that can lead to emotional eating. And therefore, that can be a problem which could lead to being overweight or obesity. And this is where a kava person needs like the fire starter, like Pitta or the 
you know, the moving busy bee like Vata to really get them up and active, they can have a tendency towards excessive sleep and drowsiness and lethargy. So a Kapha person, unlike the Vata, so Kapha and Vata are almost opposites. Kapha needs more activity, needs more movement in order for the body to circulate the lymph and the blood to circulate so that they don't have that sluggishness and the stagnation and the lethargy uh, and, and make sure that they're not withdrawing from society because that's their tendency if they're out of balance can just be withdraw, go into themselves a bit more. Uh, so they need those Pitta and Vata friends going, come on, we're going, we're going out, <laughs> out, we're going to go to a fitness class, we're going to hang out and get them out being more social. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my husband's a Kapha, so I was, I'm like, well, he's very Kapha, so I'm like, oh, that makes sense that I've picked like a partner that keeps me grounded and Perfect. teaches me to relax when I'm trying to be go, 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 and then... Yeah. Yeah. And then I have really great friends that are vatas. I'm like, I get it. Um, the other thing that was super interesting on our yoga teacher training was how many pittas were in the room. And it was, it was, it was easily explained by the fact that we had chosen to do a yoga teacher training intensive. So like we wanted, we wanted to get it all done in three weeks. It was in a, it was in a hot climate. It was in Bali. So like we we chose to go to Bali in a hot climate, um, and so that was super fascinating. And as people started talking about their um, digestion and bodily movements, it was so fascinating that as people were experiencing imbalances, they were either getting, um, yeah, everybody was dealing with diarrhea because our pitta was so high and we weren't doing anything to cool it down while we were in this like hot climate and like go, go, go the entire time. So um, I find it fascinating that each of the doshas has like an easy way to see that you're out of balance is by your bowel movements. Yeah. So for vata, it would be dryness. So anytime a vata constitution, a person with high vata constitution is traveling, there can be a real problem with constipation or you know the tend not or not to have a doubt the bowel movement every day for pitta it would be loose so if there's any intensity in work or stress or just life in general um or excess spice in the diet or lots of hot foods or in a hot climate that will lead to pitta having loose bowel movements or diarrhea because the body's trying to get rid of that excess heat and then for kapha, they tend to have well-formed bowel, daily bowel movements. If anything, they could be a bit sluggish. I talked about the stagnation in the system. They could be a bit slow and their digestion can be a bit slow. So they're the type of people that might wake up in the morning and they may not have a bowel movement or they may not be hungry because they have that slow digestion. Um, and, and just going back to vata, I, I talked about traveling can be aggravating for vata, but any excess movement or being out of routine or just too much going on can also cause more dryness in the body yeah so cool yeah um and again my fascination with all of these things um was really neat and the one thing i just want to pick um or put a focus on because i this was a light bulb moment for me but when i was diagnosed with ms and i went from walls protocol to autoimmune paleo one of the things that a registered holistic nutritionist told me was you might want to avoid nightshades. And that's one of the foods that's eliminated in the AIP protocol. And, um, 
and I asked why, and it was explained that it can contribute to leaky gut. But as I'm reading about Ayurveda, knowing that my primary dosha is Pitta, uh, there was like a full section on like, Pittas should avoid nightshades. And I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, this information would have been so much like more handy to know way earlier in my journey. I know. And this is why I wish we learned this when we were kids, because, you know, here we are going through life, trying to figure ourselves out and like banging our heads against the wall sometimes like going, what's going on? And then you come across Ayurveda and you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, like I said, the first thing I said is like the manual to life you never received. Pitta will, or Pitta, Ayurveda will tell you what, not only what foods are best for you, but what climate, what job, what, uh, what exercise it gives you guidelines for every aspect of your life. And that just blows my mind that they will tell you exactly how to framework your life. And if we got this when we were in school, could you imagine we would not only would we understand ourselves, but we would understand why the other kids are so different from us and we wouldn't be comparing ourselves to others because we, we would have confidence in our own mind body type. Yeah, that's so true. And just like um, understanding what our pros and cons are, right? noticing right. when the cons are a little like they're showing up a little bit more and then you're like, oh, what do I need to do to rebalance, reharmonize? <laughs> Yeah, we harmonize. Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, so, oh, one question I had was, I've seen several practitioners talk about how you can have a dosha for your mind versus your body. But is that something that's uh, out of balance? If you're, like, let's say my my body is very pit, or sorry, no, my mind is very pitta, but um, my body right now, I'm, you know, I'm experiencing a lot of dryness and dry skin. Is that just because I have a vata imbalance in the winter? It could be. Yes, it could be. Depend. Okay. So like I said, Ayurveda is very deep. (laughs) I don't know how much you want to delve into it. It's like an ocean of knowledge, but yes, there could be a vata imbalance, which is driving more dryness. If your tendency is to more have more loose stools in the summer, that's because summer season is considered to be pitta season when it's hot. And, and fiery, that's going to, in, they, what happens in the environment is going to increase the pit in your body. Now we're in, in uh, late winter, right? And depending on the climate where you are, if it tends to be cool and dry and windy, it's going to increase the vata, which is, can be cool and mobile as well. So a very simple principle here in Ayurveda is there's two fundamental principles. Like increases like and opposites balance each other. And that's what the whole foundation of Ayurvedic healing is based on. So say that you're having a lot of dryness right now in your body, and you know that your vata is imbalanced. So if you're traveling a lot, have an erratic schedule, eating a lot of dry foods, very little moisture, very little good fats in the diet, you're increasing the like qualities of vata. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah, for so sure. So each, each of the doshas has qualities. Like for Vata's natural qualities are dry, light, cold, subtle, rough, and mobile. If you're having a lot of these qualities in your diet and lifestyle, it will increase Vata. So for example, if you're having a lot of dry foods, a lot of light foods, like things like, say, popcorn or rice cakes, 
your food is light instead of grounding. But I don't want to give up my popcorn. <laughs> oh, but there's ways. See, everything has everything has a balance. I know. I need then to you just pour some coconut oil. On it. <laughs> yes, yeah. or coconut oil. You put something on it to balance it out. But just know that when you're ha- when you're very dry, that that popcorn is dry. It's going to soak up moisture from your body. Uh, so you need a lot more good fats, and yeah, putting some fat on that popcorn, like coconut oil or ghee or something like that. Okay, so a, a dosha really showing up in body could be an imbalance. But back to the original question: Can you have different doshas for mind and body? Sorry, I, I got sidetracked. That's yes. Okay. So yes, you could be. A, you know, I have a vata imbalance um that's causing the mind to be more imbalanced vata um or or you could have a pitta digestion yes absolutely you could have you know physical features of vata with a pitta digestion um so without the imbalance Oh, oh yes yeah like let's say someone is from birth vata pitta could that be because they have a vata mind hit a body or is it usually more balanced than that? Like, am I, am I simplifying it too much? Yeah, it's, it can't, it's not necessarily just so black and white as that. Uh, it's, and that's where it's, you know, this is where you do it with a, a consultation with an Ayurvedic uh, expert and they will tell you, here's your constitution and here's your tendencies towards imbalance. And this, so you need to, you know, I don't get so caught up in labeling a person. Yes, it's good to know your dosha, but what you need to know more of is what are my signs of imbalance? Because that's the focus. That needs to be the focus. And I'm never into labeling anybody, right, too much. I mean, it's good to have an, a general idea of what your dosha is, but I think, I think we get too caught up on that in the West. I think what we need to focus on is what are my signs of imbalance? That's what I really need to know. It doesn't matter what my label is. Yeah. And we've talked about that on the show that like, I've had a few guests who didn't love the definition of an alpha female because it was putting alpha females into a box. And that's why I was, I was always um, evolving it and changing it so that it was not um, a very like strict definition. It wasn't, it wasn't putting people in the box. And I think that's the same thing. Like so many times I love definitions. I love understanding words. I love categorizing things because it's like, oh, this makes sense to me. Like, thank you. But then, yeah, then you can get very uh, rigid and strict. Well, like, but I'm a pitta. So like this is (laughs) instead of like, well, no, there's other aspects of your life that are happening. Um, Yeah. So I, I love that it explains things. It makes it a little bit more clear for people um, so that they can then look at all of the aspects of their life and see how it intertwines. Yes, absolutely. And yes, you could have, you know, talking about your original question, you could have a digestion that's mostly like your body may digest like a pitta, but you have vata features and a vata mind. Mm, Yeah. And I would say that most of us are vata imbalanced right now because of our society it's we're always on the you know multitasking there's a lot of go 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 so the tendency is that most of us have some vata imbalances going on Mm -hmm. okay cool so you've talked a lot about how we can recognize imbalances um if someone was looking to rebalance reharmonize would you tell them to start nutrition first or lifestyle i tend to like to do a reset with nutrition first 
So what I do with my clients is, well, and I and I have two options. I could, they can do a, a reset cleanse, or they can do a daily habits course. I have a daily habits for holistic health course, which is online. And it, what I like to do is really focus on the food first and bring the body into balance. And actually just in some case, I will suggest they do a, a cleanse reset, complete nurturing cleanse, a reset to reset the digestive system. Because if you're trying to change habits and lifestyle, but you're still in a lot of physical discomfort from digestive problems, or if you're feeling uh, mentally imbalanced, it's going to be so hard to focus on those habits. So I really think it's best to focus on getting yourself into balance first, digestion-wise, food-wise, getting your digestion, because Ayurveda focuses on digestion. And, you know, it's funny now, modern science is agreeing with what Ayurveda said over 5,000 years ago, that 80% of our immunity is housed in our gut. So if you fix the digestion first, it can branch off and bring all those other aspects of imbalance back into balance just by fixing your digestion. So that's the best place. I would start with focused on doing a consultation, looking at your food and your diet, and that's where I start. And then once your digestion is working well and you're not worried about constipation or loose stool or PMS symptoms or you know, skin irritations, then you have more breathing room and more space and awareness to go, okay, now I'm ready to look at my lifestyle and look at my self-care practices and what time I go into bed and, you know, what are my mind, when am I doing my meditation and what, you know, do I need to do more creativity? Do I, what, what do I need to bring in more of now that I'm in balance? I can look at that. Mm, yeah. Then that's what I intuitively did when I was diagnosed was change the way that I eat based on talking to, um, different practitioners. Uh, because when I started to feel a little bit better in my body, then I could say, okay, now let me tackle right. getting eight hours of sleep. But if I wasn't, exactly. if I wasn't fueled properly during the day, I wasn't getting the right nutrients. Um, and if I was dealing with uh, diarrhea all the time, then there is no way that I could even think about getting eight hours of sleep. So yeah, all your energy is consumed with pains or aches or, or your imbalances. You don't, like you said, you don't even, you can't even focus on that. So just by focusing on your digestive health, what you're eating, that can not only give you more energy to look at other things in your life, but also, and most times it can solve those problems. Because in the West as well, we in our medical system, we tend to have a reductionist view, like we're looking at one organ or one system or one problem. But in Ayurveda, it's like, no, 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 it's all one package. It's holistic. We need to look at everything that's going on. So just by fixing the digestive system, it fixes all those other organs and tissues and skin and, and bowel movements and, and, and the mind, you know, because it's all connected. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, okay. So last time we talked about dosha work times and I think we were very focused on, um, the pitta work time in the morning and then the vata work time or the vata creativity in the afternoon. But talk to me about vata time in the morning and is there kapha time? Oh yeah. So each of, so this is to do with the circadian rhythms, right? And the circadian rhythms is our 24 hour biological clock. And affects everything in our body, affects us intellectually and, and, and the physical um, aspect of our body as well as emotionally. 
So each dosha, each of the vata, pitta, and kapha, have two times of the day where they rise. So vata time is from 2 to 6 a.m. and 2 to 6 p.m. Okay, then kapha time is 6 to 10 a.m. and 6 to 10 p.m. And then pitta time is 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And then it's also uh, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Okay, so you can see it's just the same time. It's just morning or night. Um, yeah, yeah. So do you want to go quickly through our 24-hour? I could do that quick if you wanted. Or yeah. But poor pittas, we only get one time during the day. Yeah, but but we're very productive. I know we are. So it's like get it all done and then allow yourself to dream and be creative in your vata time. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So you know, maybe we don't need any more time because that's enough because we're too enough. intense. <laughs> <laughs> we'll overwork. My pitta side's like, I need more time. <laughs> I know, right? Can't we just push this boundary a little bit? <laughs> so yeah, really quick. So let's start the early hours of the morning. 2 to 6 a.m. is vata time. It's a time when the en vata energy, remember, it's moving. So this is time when we're dreaming a lot. This is the time when you're, if you're out of balance in vata, you may wake up because that energy is so light. It may cause you to wake up. That's a sign of imbalance. Um, this is a time when it's great because of the stillness in nature. It's a great time to meditate, to do some yoga really early morning hours, like just as the sun is rising. So ideally during this time, you know, we're, we're sleeping up until let's say five, 6 a.m. And then we get up and we're we're doing some grounding morning routine like yoga or like uh, meditation to ground us to start our day. Yeah, and this is why I've been wanting just to, I sit and meditate when I get up at 5 a.m. I journal, I read. I'm not even touching my side hustles anymore or going, I'm struggling to go to the gym. Um, and I like just want that morning time. And then I'm, I'm just trying to bring the morning workouts back in because it's really the only time that I have, but I'm like waiting till 6am before I go to the gym now. <laughs> oh, perfect. And I'll tell you why that's perfect now in a moment, but yes, you're doing the right thing. Your intuition, your body is calling for nourishment at that time, nourishment with meditation and journaling because during Vata time, remember Vatas are very creative. They also can be very clairvoyant. And this is a time where you access your intuition. It, it's, you know, in nature, it's very still. There's no distractions in your day. This is where if you do automatic writing or journaling, you can get a lot of creative hits or intuitive hits at this time. So it's fabulous that you're doing that. And then the reason why it's great to wait until 6 a.m. to go to the gym is because 6 to 10 a.m. is kapha time. Now, kapha, remember, is that heavy energy. It's the building block. And this energy is to give you a strong foundation on which to exercise or do physical work. Now, if we sleep into this time, if we're sleeping into 7, 8 a.m., we're going to take on that kapha energy. And this is where we wake up feeling sluggish or tired or we just can't think straight. You know, it's like if you sleep in on a weekend and all day you're just like foggy-minded. That's because you slept into kapha time past 6 a.m. Mm, yeah, so when I woke up at 7 this morning, I was like, I don't want to get up. Right? Because that kapha energy took hold. So it's best if you can, as much as possible, to try keep the same routine without being rigid, right? Nothing's rigid in Ayurveda, but try as much as possible. Try to keep a similar routine, even on weekends. You'll just feel better. Or know that if you sleep in, you're going to be foggy-minded that day and you won't be able to focus as much. So 
you can either bear the consequences. But that energy, cough energy, 6 to 10 a.m. is all of, is strong, heavy energy. You want to be up and active. And then from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., this is where Pitta, the taskmaster, comes in. Pitta fire comes in. This is where you want to follow your to-do list. It's when you do your intellectual work, you make decisions. You've got that Pitta fire, that energy, really sharp on it. Uh, you want to be strat strategizing. Do the bulk of your challenging intellectual work at this time. And then around 1, 1230, 1, 1.30, having your main meal of the day. So this is when the sun is highest in the sky, your digestion is strongest. This is where ideally in Ayurveda, they say eat your main meal at the middle of the day. So if you're having grains or anything like that, or a heavy protein, eat it in the middle of the day. This is where your body can digest the best. So that's productive time. Then after lunch, you know, we always get a little bit like, ooh, I'm a little bit wishy-washy after lunch. And, you know, you're not as focused. That's because the Vata energy is coming in 2 to 6 p.m. And this Vata energy is that creative energy. Remember, Vata's creative. It's a little bit more variable. There's no more focus. Pitta's taking a back seat now. The focus is gone. So if you're trying to study at this time or do a really challenging project or strategize or get somebody to make a decision, good luck. Because at this time, Pitta's out the door, you know, it's, it, you're going against the natural energies. Instead, use this time to do more creative work or to do less intellectual work. Maybe you answer emails at this time. You're just doing work that doesn't require as much brain power. Um, and also a tendency towards more towards 4 to 6 p.m., this can be when stress can manifest in the body. Remember, vata is all about movement. And if you have a high vata constitution or a vata imbalance, you may feel a little bit more agitated in the afternoon. Uh, I know to have awareness if that happens to you. If you feel more anxious in the afternoon, if you feel more um, restless, this is because that vata energy is causing the restlessness. So this can be a good time to take some time out, do some breath work, some pranayama do some slow yoga practice or do some creative work, you know, do something that's going to ground you. And yeah. And then, so 6 PM now we're winding down. Hopefully we're unplugging. We finished work six to 10 PM. This is where that heavy energy comes back in because we need to wind down now. So now kapha comes in, it's heavy, it's slowing you down. It's making you sleepy. And this is where you want to unplug, unwind, have a lighter dinner. Remember, the kapha energy is heavier, so you don't want to have a big meal at the end of the day. But um, just take some time out with friends, family, pets. Take some time in nature. It's all about gradually unwinding. And what's happening in our society now is we're staying on the internet, we're staying working, we're activating our nervous system, and we're ignoring this kapha energy coming in. And we're activating our energy instead, and therefore having a hard time sleeping. Sleep is a big problem now. So really giving yourself a cutoff point with work and trying to chill out maybe an hour before bed, get off technology. Let the nervous system relax, do some a nightly routine. We talk a lot about in Ayurveda. And then, so then at 10 p.m., this is where Pitta comes back in, right? But we need to be in bed by this time because if not, remember Pitta is all about conversion and transformation and digestion. And it's like, hey, I was asleep on the couch at 8 p.m., but now I'm wide awake, 
let's go do some more work. Let's go shopping online. Let's watch a movie. I'm feeling a bit hungry. Let's make a snack. This is because this pitta energy is coming back in, but it's not for us. It's for our body. So we should be in bed and resting at this time because the, this pitta energy is for our internal housekeeping. This is where pitta takes whatever we ate during the day, converts it into nutrients that our cells and tissues can use. So it's detoxing our body. It's uh, restoring our organs. It's rejuvenating us for the next day. It's also taking in whatever you experienced that day, whatever you took in through your senses. It was held in a temporary file all day. And now Pitta is going to convert it and transform it and put it into the hard drive and you know put it into files for when we need it again another time. So if you're staying up and active, after 10 p.m., you're shooting yourself in the foot for the next day. Because the next day, especially if you ate late, you're going to wake up feeling groggy, heavy, foggy-minded. And your body is going to be running on low energy because you didn't respect that pitta energy coming in that needed to do the house cleaning. If you're saying, oh, pitta's like, give me a break. i got to keep you up and active and do the house cleaning. I can't do it all, you know, so something's going to give and it's usually your body's going to feel exhausted. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Um, I love that. Um, that was much more uh, all-encompassing this time. Um, yes. All right, so the last thing that I want to talk about was routines. We talked a bit um, last time about morning and evening routines, but maybe um, talk about specific Ayurveda, um, Ar uh, yeah, Ayurveda things like tongue scraping, oil pulling, and oil massage. That, that's where I'm super fascinated around right now. Okay, so Ayurveda, well, we just went through the timings of when it's best to get up. So ideally, you get up first thing in the morning. And again, if I was just so I don't freak people out or feel you feel overwhelmed, right? I want to make a caveat here that if I was doing a consultation and most Ayurvedic practitioners would do the same, they will look at your lifestyle and routine and tailor it to you. So again, I want to make sure that people don't think, oh my God, it's so rigid. No, this is like the perfect routine, but then you incorporate it into your lifestyle. Ayurveda is very flexible, okay? I just want to say that in advance. So That's the good. ideal yeah. is that you're getting up early before with sunrise and then that you're um, scraping your tongue because on the tongue in the morning is this white layer, what we call ama or toxins. And this is undigested food particles that are come up your food tract overnight and, and laid on the on the tongue so you want to scrape that off you don't want to swallow that down so you use a tongue scraper or you can just use a stainless steel spoon scrape from back to front and it's good to keep an eye on that because that shows you it has a general idea of how much toxins are in your body so you want to scrape your tongue you want to drink some warm lemon water in the morning this will not only hydrate your body but also will promote a bowel movement so ideally if everything's working well you will have a morning bowel movement as soon as you get up. Um, not That's not triggered by caffeine, right? A lot of people will take a coffee and then they'll have a bowel movement. But ideally is you'll wake up, you'll, have a, you'll eliminate and then do your tongue scraping and all that. But the warm lemon water would help with that. Uh, oil pulling as well can be done really at any time. The oil pulling is where you could take a sesame oil or coconut oil, like a teaspoon in your mouth, and you pull it between your teeth like it's a mouthwash and we know that you know gum disease can be a big problem because any toxins in our mouth can go get into the blood 
through our gums if we're bleeding gums. And we know that can be a problem for heart health, right? And we're all aware of that. So by oil pulling, we're pulling those toxins from the gums. And it's a really great hygiene process, but also it has benefits um, with your skin and anti-aging and all that and teeth whitening with the coconut oil as well. Uh, so those are the morning routines, eliminate, tongue scrape, uh, oil pulling, and Abiyanga massage. Again, depending on the person, I will schedule these depending on their schedule and what I would think would be best. If you have time in the morning to do an Abiyanga massage, it's basically taking an oil that's suitable for your dosha, putting it on your skin, and then circling on the joints and allowing that oil to sit on your skin for 15 to 20 minutes. The skin is the largest organ. It's soaking in that oil. And, you know, in, in Sanskrit, oil is called sneha. And the other translation for it, because I told you there's lots of translations for words in Sanskrit, but it also means love. So it's giving yourself that attention and that self-love and that self-care, spending some time on this beautiful body of yours. That's, you know, this vehicle that's helping you every day. Yeah, I've been doing it before um, my shower sometimes in the morning or right before my bath. Um, so allowing it to soak into my skin um, and then allowing the water to help it penetrate even more. But um, I like sometimes want to do it in the morning and then there's other times where I'm like, I want to take a little bit more time and then and then get into the bath. Exactly. And that depends on your schedule. And also I would say if you're a person that has trouble switching off in the evening if you feel very activated if your nervous system feels active you have a hard time sleeping doing an oil massage in the evening you know you unplug from technology go to your room do a massage have some essential oils burning you know make it your room like a cocoon and that will that's very calming for the nervous system to put oil on then have a bath like you said the, the heat will penetrate the oil deeper into the tissues it's, it's a beautiful thing to do as a nighttime ritual. Um, yeah, and then other daily habits, of course, spending time in nature is really key too. If you could take your lunch outside during the day or get out in the morning in nature or in the evening for a walk after, after dinner, you know, that's really important to connect to nature. We are part of nature. That connection is really soothing for our soul, for our body, and really calming to the body. Um, yes. And then bed by 10 PM, of course, before Pitta comes in. Yeah. Amazing. Well, it's been so great chatting with you again. We have hit the hour mark, so I'm going to, I'm going you to can see. I'm going I to could stop us. <laughs> yes, but it's so amazing. So why don't you let our listeners know what's the best way for them to get in touch if they'd like to do a consultation with you to find out what their dosha is? Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. My website is elementshealingandwellbeing.com. And I have, yep, you can book online consult. I have cleanses and I have the daily habits course. And then I have my podcast, Elements of Ayurveda as Perfect. well. I'll put that all in the show notes. Thank you so appreciate much it. for making time for us um, and giving us a little bit more information about Ayurveda so we can continue learning for ourselves. Yeah. And if people are interested more, just the podcast, I go through a lot, a lot more in depth. And Robin, thank you for spreading the word. You know, we're really trying to get Ayurveda out there a lot more. And I appreciate you doing this on your podcast. And I, cause I think that Ayurveda could really help us in our society today and make people more in balance and in, in compassionate and empowered to take charge of their own health. So thank you for spreading the word. You're welcome. 
For the listeners of the Alpha Female Podcast, Audible is now offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you can check out their service. There's some amazing books like You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero or The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash alpha. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash alpha for your free audiobook. This episode is sponsored by Four Sigmatic. It's the most popular mushroom product on the market, and I've actually been drinking their Shaga tea even before they sponsored the Tim Ferriss podcast. So I figured it was about time I got you guys a beautiful discount so you can snag your own mushroom coffee, tea, or hot cacao mix. I'm obsessed with the Shaga mushroom tea. I drink it in the afternoon for a really high dose of antioxidants. And then the hot cacao mix with reishi mushrooms is my favorite for an evening treat if I have a sweet tooth craving. So use the promo code alphafemale at checkout for 10% off and you can shop on their website at foursigmatic.com. Thank you for listening to the Alpha Female Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. And I would love you to eternity and back if you would be so kind to open your podcast app of choice. Go do it now before changing to the next episode and just leave me a rating and review. It'll help other alpha females find this podcast and join in on the conversations. You can find more of me at robinbaldwin.com and join us next week for another inspiring chat. Have a spectacular day.